You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, February 29, 2024 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News, Government Watch, February 28, 2024. What Your Local Elected Officials Are Up To by Kaylee Harder, February 28, 2024. Boulder City Council. At its March 7 meeting, Council will decide whether CenturyLink and Xfinity can install telecommunication utilities on certain open space lands. They will give a preliminary vote to add the wetlands on the CU South property to the official city inventory of wetlands. Adding the wetlands to city inventory is needed to support the South Boulder Creek flood mitigation project, according to Brandon Coleman, Boulder's storm and flood engineering project manager. And they will give feedback on plans to redevelop 2952 Baseline Road, currently home to the Dark Horse. The concept plan proposes demolishing the buildings on site and replacing them with four to five-story buildings, including 610 new dwelling units. Boulder County Commissioners. On March 5th, Commissioners will hold a public hearing on a use review that would allow the Dawson School to increase the number of students allowed from 540 to 700. The Dawson School is a private co-ed K-12 college prep school. On March 7, Commissioners will vote on rezoning high-use areas in a three-mile radius of Lyons, where current zoning, quote, allows development within unincorporated areas that may conflict with the orderly growth and development of the town of Lyons, unquote, according to the project webpage. The majority of the properties, currently zoned as commercial, general industrial, or transitional, would be rezoned to agricultural use. News, Boco Briefly. February 28, 2024, Local News at a Glance, by Shea Castle. Fire on the Flatirons. Firefighters extinguished a wildfire on Boulder's second Flatiron this weekend. The half-acre blaze started Saturday night, according to Boulder Fire Rescue, BFR, and was fully contained early Monday morning. More than 20 responders worked on the fire, according to a city press release. The official cause was unknown, but natural causes were ruled out, the press set release said, and BFR Wildland Chief Brian Oliver told Boulder Reporting Lab that, quote, there was clearly some kind of human cause, unquote. The Boulder area experienced critical fire conditions over the February 23 weekend due to high winds and low humidity, with a red flag warning issued Sunday and Monday. The National Weather Services reported gusts of 40 to 50 miles per hour. There was also a half-acre wildfire north of Gross Reservoir on Sunday evening, according to Mountain View Fire Rescue. It was extinguished at 10.34 p.m. 
with no evacuations or threats to residences. New Climate Plan for Colorado Colorado has released an updated greenhouse gas pollution reduction roadmap, the state's second since 2021. Roadmap 2.0 again calls for a 50% reduction in emissions by 2030 from 2005 levels, but was necessary because 95% of the initial roadmap's near-term actions have already been achieved, according to state officials. Roadmap 2.0 identifies 49 new near-term actions, including studying alternative uses for oil and gas wells, increasing statewide transit and passenger rail, plugging wells, and encouraging, quote, land use policies to build more housing, grow walkable neighborhoods, and increase transit access, unquote. They are meant to be implemented over the next three years. Despite the state completing most of its first roadmap's near-term actions, an analysis by nonprofit Rocky Mountain Institute in November found that Colorado would fall short of its 2030 emission goals by about 15%. Colorado Sun reported, State officials estimate the new roadmap will help reach the 50% reduction goal by 2032. RMI assisted with emissions estimates in the updated roadmap. Read the full roadmap at bit.ly slash number three, capital O, capital U, lowercase o, capital B, capital F, capital K. Boulder updates encampment removal policies. The city of Boulder has updated its guidelines for removal of encampments to reflect the passage of ballot question 302, safe zones for kids. The measure, which called for faster removal of encampments near schools, was approved by 61% of voters in November's municipal election. The city uses a prioritization matrix to decide which encampments to remove first. Camps are scored using criteria such as life safety risk, size and presence of crime or drugs. The higher the score, the higher priority for removal. The previous scoring matrix allotted 20 points for proximity to a school or along a route to school second only to encampments that threaten lives or safety. Now, 25 points are given for encampments near schools or routes to schools, more than any other category. Boulder Reporting Lab first reported the update. In other news, workers at a Longmont Starbucks 2318 17th Avenue intend to unionize according to a press release from Starbucks Workers United. It's the latest local coffee shop to organize, joining Spruce Confections, Brewing Market, and a Starbucks located near CU Boulder, the chain's first Colorado location to form a union. The town of Superior bought a 0.28-acre property destroyed by the Marshall Fire for use as open space. The Rodelli property at 216 South 3rd Avenue next to Cold Creek 
was purchased for $540,000 and will likely be used for flood mitigation following a change in zoning. Paul Campos, a professor of law at CU Boulder, has settled with the university for $160,000 after alleging discrimination and retaliation. Campos chronicled his ordeal on the blog Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Opinion. Letters. Letters to the Editor, February 26, 2024. On Bike Lanes and the Day Shelter by readers like you. First, do no harm. The baseline project from Foothills Parkway to US 36 is intended to improve safety. Intersections have been redesigned with very tight right turns to slow vehicles and indented bike lanes to make bicycles more visible to those turning cars. The Mohawk Baseline Intersection implemented these best practices. Shortly afterward, a 67-year-old bicyclist suffered a concussion and broken sacrum. He mistook two speed bumps for painted stripes and failed to follow the new indented bike lane. Without the new changes, the accident would not have occurred. A new design intended to improve safety that almost immediately results in a serious accident needs to be re-examined. The city's response to the accident? Install more bollards slash reflective poles for, to force bicyclists to follow the new indented bike path. The new design is not intuitive. It requires obstacles to force drivers and cyclists to follow new design paths. For the cyclist, the indented bike path requires four changes in direction, meaning that any debris or ice on that path risks the bike sliding and crashing. A path straight through the intersection does not have this risk. Beyond that, what should the penalty be for a bicyclist following the common and intuitive path straight through the intersection? Apparently, the city believes the bicyclist should hit an obstacle. Bicyclists need to be aware of traffic at an intersection, not worried about unexpected barriers placed in their path. I live near Baseline and often travel between 35th Street and Mohawk. When biking, it felt safe to me with a wide bike lane and great visibility. Boulder crash data goes back seven years and shows it is indeed quite safe. Two bicycle accidents, only one involving an injury. It would take seven years of injury-free data to improve on that record. Giving this a, quote, first do no harm, unquote, approach should have been adopted. It was not. Every intersection was redesigned and concrete barriers were installed. The city should not redesign sections of baseline that are already are both safe and convenient. From Lee Gilbert in Boulder. Day Center. I am writing this letter in response to the article Under One Roof from February 15, 2024. I greatly appreciated the article and learned more about the Day Center. The spokesperson identified many questions that remain unanswered. This was concerning because examination of the current literature in various disciplines provides the answers. 
An analogy to Disney World was made when describing the unknowns and development of the day center. Given what we know about this population, looking at the day center from that perspective is a fool's game. Misunderstanding the level of acuity of these individuals will result in outcomes failing miserably short of their desired objectives. From Doug Jowdy in Boulder. Thank you, Boulder Weekly, for Kaylee Harder's Under One Roof. The Homeless Day Center is happening for real. Kaylee manages to describe the complicated process that Boulderites have talked about doing for years. Thanks to the many people and organizations doing the work, city staffers Megan Newton and Lindsay Morse Casillas, BSH staffers Andy Schultheis, Michael Block, and Spencer Downing, Boulder Chambers Jonathan Singer, RTD Bus Services, and so many more. Local homeless people are also a critical part of planning a, the day center. Crystal and G and Brittany Ann, good work. From Nancy to Deacon in Boulder. Got something to say? Email letters at boulderweekly.com. Opinion. Celebrating Disability Advocacy. Bobby Christensen is 2024's Ms. Wheelchair Colorado by Jen Oaks, February 26, 2024. Saturday night, a small group gathered to celebrate the advocacy work of one woman, Bobby Christensen. Christensen lives in Lafayette with her twin sister, father, and niece, along with two dogs, a turtle, and a bird. She was born with cerebral palsy and uses a power wheelchair for mobility. On Friday, Christensen was named Ms. Wheelchair Colorado for 2024. Ms. Wheelchair America organization was created in 1972 by Dr. Robert Wood. The yearly pageant serves as a platform to highlight the amazing accomplishments and advocacy of female wheelchair users. You can learn more at mswheelchairamerica.org. Christensen is a vocational counselor at Wonder Years, a disability services and support organization in Longmont. She is licensed in plain language translation, a format she believes greatly in for accessibility. Plain language seeks to maximize understanding by using as few words as possible and avoiding complicated sentence structure and vocabulary. Quote, everything should be written in this format, especially medical documents, Christensen says. This would help everyone take better care of themselves. When she is not advocating for disabled individuals, Christensen enjoys creative writing, singing, reading, riding horses, and spending time with her family and friends. She wishes to show people that her disability is her gift from God to show the world that there are many ways to accomplish anything. Quote, my goal with Ms. Wheelchair Colorado is to continue advocating for causes like the attendant care crisis, improving medical services for disabled individuals, and helping break down barriers for the disabled and elderly population, unquote, she says. 
As the 2023 Ms. Wheelchair Colorado, I was happy to pass the crown to Christensen, along with Chris Lane, Ms. Wheelchair Colorado 2020, on Saturday. I'm honored to witness and be a part of Ms. Wheelchair America. Thank you, Dr. Wood, for giving us an excuse to celebrate women. Jen Oaks lives in Boulder and enjoys listening to music, podcasts, and audiobooks while painting or drawing. She is a disability rights advocate and a graduate from Baylor University in Texas, which is where she realized that Boulder is the best place to live. Features. Weed between the lines. Negative feedback system. Study. Patients with binge eating disorder should be wary of cannabis by Will Brenza, February 27, 2024. In the U.S., 28 million people will suffer from an eating disorder in their lifetime, according to a Harvard study from 2020. Anorexia and bulimia nervosa disorders are the most commonly acknowledged, but many Americans are also affected by lesser-known disorders like pica, or compulsively eating non-food items, rumination disorder, eating previously regurgitated food, and night eating syndrome. The most common eating disorder by far is binge eating disorder, BED. According to the National Institutes of Health, BED affects 1.25% of adult women, 4.15 million, and 0.42%, 1.5 million, of adult men in the U.S., accounting for 20% of national eating disorder cases. For those men and women, cannabis use can be risky, a new study from Drexel University suggests. In examining the relationship between cannabis use and BED symptoms, alcohol consumption and depression, researchers found evidence indicating that BED patients who use cannabis tend to experience more severe eating disorder symptoms. Megan Wilkinson, lead author and doctoral student in Drexel's College of Arts and Sciences, started pursuing this line of research after realizing that lots of research exists on the relationship between cannabis use and eating disorders, but very little that looked specifically at BED. Wilkinson and a team of researchers at the university's Center for Weight, Eating, and Lifestyle Science, the Well Center, got to work. Quote, distinguishing the relationship between cannabis use eating disorder, severity, and other psychiatric symptoms in binge eating patients is necessary for informing screening and clinical recommendations, unquote, Wilkinson said in a press release. When someone is affected by BED, they experience out-of-control eating and are often unable to stop until they are uncomfortably full or even sick. It most often affects women in early adulthood and middle-aged men, and commonly results in obesity. Many people who use cannabis can relate to feeling out of control while eating. Cannabis use has a common side effect known as the munchies, that notoriously makes users compulsively eat whether they're hungry or not. Thanks to research done on worms, see Weed Between the Lines, Breaking Down the Munchies, 
November 20, 2023, we know that this results from cannabis enhancing one's sensations of taste and smell. To find out what happens to people with BED who use cannabis, Wilkinson and her team surveyed 165 individuals who experienced BED events at least once a week and were actively seeking treatment. Respondents reported both their cannabis and alcohol use throughout the study. The researchers found that 23%, 38 participants, reported cannabis use at least once within the past three months, with most reporting use once or twice or monthly. Most of the patients who reported cannabis use also reported BED symptoms in association with it. Notably, the research also found that those patients who use cannabis also reported significantly higher alcohol consumption. And BED patients who consumed both alcohol and cannabis were more likely to report alcohol-related BED symptoms compared to those who used alcohol alone. Quote, Both alcohol and cannabis can impact an individual's appetite and mood, Wilkinson said. Our finding that patients with binge eating who use cannabis also drink more alcohol, which may suggest that these individuals are at a higher risk for binge eating given the compounded effects on appetite and mood from these substances, unquote. She recommended that any treatments for BED should examine the relationship between substance use, hunger, mood, and eating. When BED patients were asked how cannabis use affected their symptoms, they reported that their condition made the urge to use cannabis particularly strong, which often triggered a person's BED, resulting in a feedback system. In the paper, published in Experimental and Clinical Psychopharmacology, researchers conclude that, quote, Results from the present study support screening for cannabis and alcohol use patterns in patients with BED. Cuisine, nibbles, growing hotties, a little planning, seeding, and compost will gift your you fresh chilies for summer roasting in rellenos by John Landorf, February 27, 2024. Yes, I know it's only February. Our snowiest month is still ahead. Veteran gardeners know that Colorado's sunny spring weather is designed to break their hearts and crush their verdant dreams of tomatoes and flowers. The specter of freeze, hail, wind, and drought always looms. While it will be months before it is safe to put plants out in the garden, you need to pop some seeds in soil this week. The reward is a bumper crop of chilies this summer and beyond. To help Boulder County gardeners, experts, and novices alike, we consulted with the experts at Growing Gardens, a Boulder nonprofit focused on regenerative urban agriculture and education, with classes, camps, a farm stand, and food share program. We focused on growing chilies, a tasty crop ideally suited to this climate. Starting Chili Seeds at Home at Growing Gardens, pepper seedlings are started in late February, says Lauren Kelso, the site director for Growing Gardens, who oversees the greenhouse and farm operations. 
There are vital steps to get those seeds to maturity. First, find quality seeds. Quote, Always start the seeds in small germination trays, Kelso says. They hold a small amount of soil. You want to plant a tiny seed into a relatively small pot, unquote. If you start tiny pepper seeds in a big pot, the soil can get too soggy or too dry, Kelso explains. Quote, For the home gardener, any fine potting soil mix will do, she says. Don't use compost or garden soil, unquote. Keep it bright and warm. Next, you must create a nurturing environment. Quote, a lot of seedlings, like peppers, need warm temperatures and quite a bit of sunlight to grow healthy and happy, Kelso says. Unless you have a really great southern or western-facing window, you will need artificial growing lights. Unquote. In order to maintain the right temperature, a special heating pad can be placed underneath the germination trays. Let's talk watering. For starting the seeds, the goal is Goldilocks watering, just enough, but not too much. Many gardeners use a spray bottle to keep the soil damp. Quote, I usually tell people you want it damp, but not soggy, she says. If you were to squeeze that soil, the water wouldn't gush out. That's kind of a good indicator until those seeds germinate, unquote. After the birth, there is that expectant time waiting for the seeds to germinate and break the surface of the soil. Quote, once the seeds are up, they grow relatively fast, unquote, Kelso says. Resist the urge to transfer that little plant to a bigger pot. Quote, you want to let it grow for a couple of weeks at least, she says. You really want the roots to fill out the soil you've already given it before you pop it into something larger, unquote. Forget the fertilizer. If you use a good quality potting mix, don't fertilize young plants. Quote, you can do some damage by trying to fertilize seedlings when they're that young, Kelso says. The seed itself holds nutrition for that plant. That's kind of the magic of seeds, Unquote. Wait to move outside. There is an old and mostly false rule in Colorado gardening. Don't put plants outside until after Mother's Day. There's only one problem, according to Kelso. Quote, if you have an uncovered garden, you need to look at the 10-day forecast for bad weather. More importantly, for heat-loving crops like chilies, is waiting until nighttime temperatures are consistently around 50 degrees. Unquote. Otherwise, plants may get stunted by the cold. Kelso does recommend bringing plants outside to harden off. Quote, you ease them into all that Mother Nature stuff has to offer, she says. You're getting new plants, not just used to colder temperatures, but wind and hot temperatures too, unquote. Always use protection. Hail and wind are facts of life for local gardeners. Gardeners should consider using a protective spun polyester covering over the garden, Kelso says. It saves heartbreak after all that love and energy you put into the plants, unquote. There are always starter plants. Quote, 
If you start seeds and then something goes really wrong, or you go out of town for a couple of days and all is lost, there are great nurseries in the area where you can get plants already started, unquote, she says. Where to find seeds? Growing Gardens, 1630 Hawthorne Avenue in Boulder, Harlequin Gardens, 4795 26th Street in Boulder, and other local farms offer their own local seeds. The Seed House at Boulder's Massa Seed Foundation Farm offers a selection of hundreds of varieties of seeds for vegetables, berries, grains, herbs, and flowers. Visit the Seed House, 1367 North 75th Street in Boulder, or order online, massaseedfoundation.org. Public libraries in Boulder, Louisville, Broomfield, and other towns also maintain seed libraries where the public can check out seeds to plant. Colorado's Pueblo Farm and Seed offers an amazing variety of seeds for chilies and locally adapted vegetables. Visit farmdirectseed.com. Take gardening classes. Get hands-on advice from experienced local gardeners. Growing Gardens offers a front-range gardening 101 class that covers the essentials. Visit growinggardens.org slash classes. Harlequin Gardens offers a large number of sustainable gardening classes this spring and summer. Visit harlequin, that's H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N, harlequinsgardens.com slash what dash we dash offer slash classes. Upgrade your happiness. There's one more great reason to plant peppers or anything else this year. CU Boulder professor Jill Litt studied beginning community gardeners in Denver. Litt's research found that the new gardeners ate more fiber, were more active, and experienced a greater decline in perceived stress and anxiety. I can vouch for that feeling. My sunny home window in Louisville now sports a pair of shishito chili plants that make me happy. After a summer on the patio, the pepper plants are still cranking out big green and red peppers that aren't too spicy. They will go back outside to my patio garden in the spring. Local food news. Welcome burrito season. We all know about Taco Tuesday. Who knew there was a burrito season? Denver-born Chipotle Mexican Grill is trying to hire 19,000 employees nationally this spring in preparation for burrito season. March through May, Chipotle's busiest time of the year. Brush Hollow Winery of Penrose has introduced a wine designed to pair with Taco Tuesday or burrito season. Brush Hollow Pueblo Chili Wine is a blend of Palisade Riesling grapes and roasted Pueblo chilies. The Boulder County Farmers Markets have produced a useful new guide to local CSAs featuring 25 farms offering produce and food shares this summer. Many CSAs sell out months before the season starts. To avoid tomato disappointment, visit bcfm.org 
slash CSA dash guide. Plan ahead. The Boulder Farmers Market and Longmont Farmers Market open for the season on April 6. Words to chew on, mashed or fried. Quote, what I say is that if a man really likes potatoes, he must be a pretty decent sort of fellow. Unquote. From A.A. A. Milne, author of Winnie the Pooh. John Lendorf hosts Radio Nibbles and Kitchen Table Talk on KGNU. Podcasts at kgnu.org slash category slash radio dash nibbles, N-I-B-B-L-E-S. Entertainment, Arts, and Culture. Now You See Me. Trans Youth Portrait Series highlights the life-saving power of family support. Quote, I hate the governor in Texas, unquote, says eight-year-old Reese. The second grader is sitting alongside their mom for an interview with photographer Jess Frieden, who has been traveling the country since 2020 for what he calls, quote, a trans survival project, unquote. The idea is to leverage the creative tools of storytelling and portraiture to uplift the voices and visages of one of the most vulnerable communities in America, trans youth. Here, the bright-eyed, non-binary kid in Frieden's lens is discussing Governor Greg Abbott's signing of a bill targeting trans college athletes, one among a grim surge of discriminatory laws moving through legislatures across the country. Reese says they don't really play sports unless you count karate. Asked about their experience with the other kids in their mixed-gender martial arts class, they turned to mom, quote, Luckily, you told them what my gender and my name was, so now when they accidentally say it wrong, they correct themselves, unquote. Despite their mother's best effort to find inclusive spaces where Reese can thrive, signing up for something as simple as a karate lesson means checking ahead of time to make sure the dojo will be safe and affirming. She lives with the ambient fear of watching her child grow up in a world where their identity is a liability. Quote, the laws are scary, she tells Frieden. We talked a little bit to Reese the other day about what's happening in Texas, about the parents who are simply loving and supporting their kids and doing the right thing, being called child abusers, and how that's really disturbing. As of now, we've been met with nothing but support, but I am nervous and I feel like we need to be prepared." Unquote. Reese responds to this prospect with a playful self-assuredness that comes from growing into your own skin on your own terms. Quote, being prepared looks like punching them in the face if they do that. Unquote. Are you okay? Kids like Reese are the heartbeat of Frieden's multimedia project, spanning a multi-volume book and a touring showcase of photography and interviews, uplifting stories of trans youth and the families who love them. These everyday moments form the spine of the artist's traveling "Are You Okay?" exhibition, 
coming to Boulder's East Window on March 1 and currently on view at the Dairy Arts Center through May. You can get more information about East Window at eastwindow.org. Quote, I was angry about seeing these anti-trans laws really picking up steam. I was angrier as an artist and storyteller that nobody else was focusing on the kids and families being harmed, unquote, Frieden told Boulder Weekly on a Zoom call from his studio in Northampton, Massachusetts. Quote, I thought, what can I do? I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. I'm not going to go to every single protest, but I can tell a compelling story, unquote. So Frieden set out with his camera and recording equipment to chronicle the lived experiences of trans youth and the support systems on which they depend, initially focusing on areas of the country with active anti-trans legislation. He has since spoken with more than 150 trans and non-binary youth from over half the states in the U.S. Quote, as a man of trans experience myself, I've been with these. I've been these kids, he says. I did not have parents that affirmed me as a child, but I know their thoughts. I've been there, which is why it's so powerful that we can hold space for each other. East Window owner Todd Herman finds a similar power in the idea of holding space for our most vulnerable neighbors, which has been the guiding light of his social justice-oriented North Boulder Gallery since it came on the scene nearly half a decade ago. But the longtime curator says there's a big difference between holding space for an at-risk population and speaking on behalf of their plight. Quote, I'm really cautious when anybody says they're giving a voice to a community. We're not doing that, unquote, he says of the free exhibition running through June 22. Quote, we're opening the door and letting people speak for themselves, unquote. In addition to the upcoming show in the art space's namesake east-facing gallery window, large-scale portraits from Frieden's Are You OK? project are currently wheat-pasted on the exterior northeast wall of the Dairy Arts Center. Both installations are on display 24-7 with QR codes to learn more about the stories of the young people and their families in the frame. Quote, I am a queer man, so it struck me really hard. I'm connected to a bunch of trans folks, and I just wanted to hold space for them, unquote, says Dairy Arts Center visual arts curator Drew Austin. Quote, All queer people and people of color are going through a lot right now, but the trans community specifically is under violent attack from the political side, and it's quiet, but it's also not quiet. It's loud, unquote. Where are we safe? Nex Benedict loved cats, video games, and The Walking Dead. The non-binary teenager often dealt with bullies. On February 7, they were beaten in a bathroom fight by three classmates who had purportedly been antagonizing the 16-year-old at their high school in Owasso, Oklahoma. Next collapsed at home in their living room the following day. 
they were rushed to the St. Francis Pediatric Emergency Room in Tulsa, where they were pronounced dead. There are still many unknowns surrounding Nex's death, which is under investigation. But one thing is clear. Many lawmakers and government officials in the late teens' home state and others like it see kids like them as a problem to be legislated away instead of a whole human who needs love and support. In May 2022, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed a bill forcing public school students to use the bathroom matching the sex on their birth certificate. Two weeks before Next died, State Superintendent Ryan Walters, a self-styled cultural warrior against what he calls, quote, radical gender theory, unquote, appointed conservative activist Chaya Rachik to a school library board. Rachik operates the popular social media account Libs of TikTok, which targets LGBTQ affirming educators. Her posts have been linked to dozens of bomb threats at schools across the country, including one 20 minutes south of Nexus hometown. Stories like this might feel removed from Boulder's so-called progressive bubble, but many of the families Frieden has spoken with over the last few years say the threat is never as far away as it seems. Quote, what I've heard so many times from kids and parents is, where are we safe? And nowhere is safe until everywhere is safe, he says. For those families that have to move out of states with anti-trans laws, that's not living, that's fleeing, unquote. Colorado has recently become a haven for some of those families. As nearby states become increasingly hostile to trans people, kids like 13-year-old Hadley Charles, whose family moved from Oklahoma City to Denver after Governor Stitt's landslide re-election in 2022, are reportedly seeking refuge in the Centennial State, which last year became the first in the country to include gender-affirming care services in essential health benefits. Quote, we were in a fight or flight situation, Hadley told Colorado Public Radio in January, and we chose flight, unquote. But fleeing to a relatively affirming place is still no inoculation against the creeping threat of harm that seems to be gaining momentum in American life. Historically, North Boulder has not been friendly to the trans community or people of color, Herman says from his Nobo gallery space, recalling isolated but fervent backlash to a Dred Scott exhibition last year dealing with issues of race and racism. There's a lot of surrounding areas that really dispel the broad reach of our little sanctuary, and that scares me." Unquote. Austin says that's why the affirming, affirming family units at the heart of Are You OK? make it such a compelling draw for the Dairy Arts Center. A recent 2023 study by the Trevor Project found that family support can significantly reduce the likelihood of suicide attempts among black, trans, and non-binary young people. 
The world may be a dangerous place for kids who exist outside the bounds of normative gender expression, especially for those at the nexus of intersecting discrimination. But research suggests an affirming home environment can make a big difference. Quote, if I grew up with the support to come out and really embrace my full self, I would be in such a different place and have such a different understanding of who I am, Austin says. I think it's really important to showcase and uplift queer youth, specifically trans youth who are coming out and embracing themselves for who they really are, unquote. Like Austin, Frieden may not have had a vibrant support system to fall back on as he came of age in a world hostile to his identity. But the renowned photographer is still here, lifting up the kids in what he sees himself in the families who help them navigate a cruel and dangerous world. Back in his New England studio, the artist says it all comes back to a question of survival. Quote, our community is being annihilated, he says. For me, this is about showing the young faces under attack that are most vulnerable and the caring families that love their trans kids, because if we don't show them, they're not going to survive." Unquote. On View, Are You Okay? A Trans Survival Project, March 1 through June 22, at the East Window Gallery, 4550 Broadway, Suite C3B2 in Boulder, free, and through May 2031 at the Dairy Arts Center, Northeast Mural Wall, 2590 Walnut Street, Boulder, free. LGBTQ youth can access 24-7 support from trained counselors with the Trevor Project. Text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 678-678 or call 1-866-488 7386 or visit the Trevor Project. That's T H E T R E V O R P R O J E C T dot org to learn more. Editor's note Due to a transcription error, an earlier version of this story mischaracterized details surrounding the personal story of Dairy Arts Center visual arts curator Drew Austin. The article has been edited for accuracy. Entertainment, events, music, concerts, March 1 through March 7. Can't miss live music coming to the front range this week by Boulder Weekly staff, February 28, 2024. Friday, March 1. Le Youth with Spirit Motel, 8.30 p.m. at the Fox Theater, 1135 13th Street in Boulder, $25. Starburn, 60s and 70s Rock Hits, 6.30 p.m. at Missy's, 1455 Coal Creek Drive, Unit T, as in Thomas, Lafayette, $20. Von Disco, 9.30 p.m., License Number 1, 2115 13th Street in Boulder, free. Rabblefish, 6.30 p.m., Muse Performance Space, 200 East South Boulder Road in Lafayette, $20. A.C. Slater with Chris Lorenzo, Taiki Newlight, 
and Ootoro, 9 p.m. at the Mission Ballroom, 4242 Wincoop Street in Denver, $35. Motif F with Mossy Projects and Brotha Nature, 8 p.m. at the Bluebird Theater, 3317 East Colfax Avenue in Denver, $25. Saturday, March 2, The Polish Ambassador with Mario and Grandfather Gold, 7 p.m. at the Fox Theater, 1135 13th Street in Boulder, $30. Good Music Medicine with Riley J. Band, 8 p.m. at the Roots Music Project, 4747 Pearl Street in Boulder, $12. Voodoo Lily, 9.30 p.m. at License Number 1, 2115 13th Street in Boulder, free. Cape, 7 p.m. at the Rayback Collective, 2775 Valmont Road in Boulder, free. Chiaro Luce Olstat Quintet, 6.30 p.m. at the Muse Performance Space, 200 East South Boulder Road in Lafayette, $20. Water Parks with Loveless and Pop Tropical Sluts, <laughs> 7 p.m. at the Mission Ballroom, 4242 Wincoop Street in Denver, $40. Camel Fat, 8 p.m. at the Fillmore Auditorium, 1510 North Clarkson Street in Denver, $50 resale. Kelsey Carter and the Heroines with Alexa Villa and Emmy Jean, 5 p.m. at the Larimer Lounge, 2721 Larimer Street in Denver, $18. Sam Birchfield and the Scoundrels with Rachel Bayman, 8 p.m. at the Bluebird Theater, 3317 East Colfax Avenue, Denver. $20. Sunday, March 3rd, Many Mountains, 8 p.m. at the Velvet Elk Lounge at 2037 13th Street in Boulder, free. Braxton Kahn slash Nate Miller Duo, 6.30 p.m. at the Muse Performance Space, 200 East South Boulder Road, Lafayette, $20. Spearfish Junction, 4 p.m. at Boco Cider, 1501 Lee Hill Drive, Unit 14, in Boulder, free. 3OH! And Matt and Kim with Lovely the Band, Neptune, and RSTY, 6.30 p.m. at the Mission Ballroom, 4242 Wincoop Street, in Denver, $43. Blue Ribbon Band with Till the Moon and Joe Agar, 4 p.m. at the Larimer Lounge, 2721 Larimer Street in Denver, $13. Tuesday, March 5, Songwriter Showcase with John Brewster, Andrew Sturtz, Alicia Kraft, and Ian Steele, 6 p.m. Roots Music Project, 4747 Pearl Street in Boulder, free. Wednesday, March 6, Mahali of Twiddle, with Gubb, Adrian, and Scott and the Horns, 7 p.m. at the Fox Theater, 1135 13th Street in Boulder, $28. Chris Coza, 8 p.m. at the Velvet Elk Lounge, 2037 13th Street in Boulder, free. George Nelson Band, 8 p.m. at License Number 1, 
2115 13th Street in Boulder, free. Oh snap, 7 p.m. at the Muse Performance Space, 200 East South Boulder Road in Lafayette, $10. Cherry Glazer with Wombo, 8 p.m. at the Bluebird Theater, 3317 East Colfax Avenue in Denver, $79. That's the Boulder Weekly Pick of the Week. Thursday, March 7, Chuck Sotero and Dylan Kober, 8 p.m. at the Velvet Elk Lounge, 2037 13th Street in Boulder, free. Jocelyn and the Sweet Compression, 8 p.m. Roots Music Project, 4747 Pearl Street in Boulder, $15. Aaron Feldman Trio, 7 p.m. at the Rayback Collective, 2775 Valmont Road in Boulder, free. Events, February, excuse me, March 1 through March 7, Where to Go and What to Do in Boulder County, by Boulder Weekly Staff, February 28, 2024. Biff Opening Night Party, 5 to 7 p.m., Friday, March 1, at the Longmont Museum, 400 Quail Road, free with ticket purchase. It's the Boulder International Film Festival's 20th anniversary, and you can kick the week off right with a cinematic celebration at the Longmont Museum. The museum will offer free hors d'oeuvres, drinks, and live music with the purchase of tickets to the Friday Night Shorts screening. Paint Party, 6 to 8.30 p.m., Friday, March 1, at the Rayback Collective, 2775 Valmont Road, Boulder, $52.00. Denver artist Love Charlie Joe Paints guides you through the creation of a wooden door hanger perfect for springtime during this step-by-step -step painting class. Admission will get you everything you need to create, including a complimentary drink. Mad Librarians, 1 to 2 p.m. Saturday, March 2 at the Boulder Public Library, Canyon Gallery Theater, 1001 Arapahoe Avenue, free. Grab the kiddos and head to Boulder Public Library's Canyon Theater for an improv comedy series that will have the whole family in stitches. The Mad Librarians will perform made-up books based on audience suggestions at this monthly event presented by Boulder Ensemble Theater Company. TEDxCU Renaissance 3 to 6.30 p.m., Saturday, March 2, Mackey Auditorium, 1595 Pleasant Street in Boulder, $25. Rebirth is the theme at this year's independently organized TEDx event, featuring a collection of speakers and performers who will explore ideas of intellectual curiosity and creative exploration. Front Range Vegetable Gardening 101. 6 to 8.30 p.m., Thursday, March 7, at the Hawthorne Farm, 1630 Hawthorne Avenue in Boulder, $45. Boulder's high altitude and dry, dynamic climate prove to be a unique challenge every year. This introductory class, hosted by Growing Gardens Tim Villard, is a great place to start for understanding soil and how to keep, plant, and transport healthy seeds in Colorado's volatile springtime. Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine.
If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.